Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. What's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby. Here we are at another idea that came from our listeners. This is going to be called a listener's choice. We got asked about some email tips and tricks and how best to write those emails. So with this, we're going to call it the perfect prospect correspondence. And it comes direct from our listeners. Yeah. So Bobby, this first one came from Chris Hell. Uh, Chris is at a large uh, software as a service provider. He says one thing that he's found beneficial from another podcast that he used to listen to was email etiquette, etiquette, easy for me to say, email etiquettes and best practices. Perhaps in one of your next episodes, you can discuss your approach for emails and help with templates for several situations. So, Bobby, uh, why don't you hit on a few of those situations? I will, but before we do, I have to plug a great small business owner that helped me out in the last couple of weeks and truly created a raving fan. It's a company called Ready Caddy, readycaddy.com, R-E-A-D-Y-C-A-D-D-I-E.com. It's a small plastic golf cart organizer. You put your rangefinder, your cell phone, lights, anything you want up in this little this little box. And it has a little back-end clip that goes on the golf cart. Really easy to remove and take with you. But I left the clip, and I sent him a note, and he sent me the clip for free and just said do what you can to promote uh, the Ready Caddy. So if you don't mind, go visit readycaddy.com. It's a great $20 device. If you're a golfer, you will love it. And if you make an order, please let them know you heard about it on the Tech Sales Show. Yep, I love it. I thought it was funny that this fits kind of the three things that uh, are really core to Bobby. That's golf, um, that's organization, and that's uh, something to organize gadgets with. So I thought this is, uh, this is the perfect tool for you, Bobby. It is. I love my ready caddy, so uh, go buy one as well. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about a cold email to a new prospect, a follow-up email to a prospect and or a customer, and the quote-unquote, will you introduce me email. Yep. And so the next one we're going to talk about uh, emails to get out of email. So we've all been stuck in this loop of we've got an email conversation going on with a prospective customer, but we can't get that escalated up to an actual meeting. And then across all these bodies, we're going to talk about kind of the do's and the don'ts of email correspondence. So we'll, we'll kind of categorize those across each of the subjects. So in one of our many internal trainings, uh, Chris goes on to say they always give examples of bad sales emails. So he thought it'd be uh, helpful to get our perspective on it. Yeah. So why don't you give an example or start talking through what a good cold email to a new prospect would look like, Brian? Great. So I, a few tactical things here too. So I, I think this goes for any conversation that you have with an executive. It certainly has to do with emails. You will be delegated to people that you talk like. So Bobby, if you send an email to a CFO or a business operations manager about whatever product it is you're selling, 
and you have a bunch of IT terms in there, the first thing he's going to do, if he even finds your email interesting, is he's going to forward that email onto IT. So maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe you want the business to forward that onto IT, but just be prepared for it and make sure that was your, uh, your intended path for that email. Uh, so write like the people that you're sending emails to. These, again, these are some tactical things here too. Um, what led to the biggest deal that I've ever signed in my sales career is it wasn't even an email that was sent by myself. It was an email sent by a peer on my team. He sent uh, someone congratulations on a new role um, for them. They, they got a little promotion in their company, not a little promotion. It was a big promotion. Uh, so use those as opportunities to, um, to congratulate people. Like it, it's got to be honest, right? We always, we talk about all the time. If, if this is not going to be honest, not going to be sincere, then just don't do it at all. Right. No question. If, if there's any hint of not being genuine, then they're going to read right through it. I talked a little bit about it in Call 10, one of the posts on our, our website. You cannot have a sales objective in these sincere posts or, or emails or notes to these people that get promoted or there's a big move in their company of some sort. It's got to be without a sales approach. Yep. Use big company announcements, right? Let's say they had a great quarterly earnings call. Let's say that a strategic objective they were trying to hit in this quarterly earnings call was achieved. Uh, let's say they did an acquisition. Don't make it stupid, obvious stuff. Like it's got to be thoughtful, sincere, even nuanced. Um, but it will come uh, as long as it's honest and sincere. It will come off really nice. So, how would you compose that perfect email? Yeah. So, so thinking more like strategically, I think of whenever I'm writing a prospective um, customer an email, I kind of break it up into four categories, Bobby. Um, the first thing I do is I make a reference to their business. I want to, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I want them to know that I'm a student of their business. So maybe, again, maybe it was an announcement that they made. Maybe it was a positive earnings call. It can't be superficial. It's got to be real. It's got to be somewhat nuanced. Um, so the, the first components or ingredients of this perfect new email um, is something to do with them and their business, showing them that you're a student of their business. The subject could be anything. It could be, hey, regarding this announcement. It could be uh, regarding a new strategy uh, that they'd had in their business. Maybe it's an all-time new revenue record that they'd accomplished. Maybe it's something a little bit more interesting like growth plans for a new region. Um, and, uh, and all of this directly or indirectly ties into something that your product or service can help them with. Um, make an educated assumption. So that, that's kind of first part one, Bobby, is, is make a reference to their business. You're going to have to study their business for this to be important, relevant, or interesting. The second part of this is make an educated assumption. So maybe that growth that they hope to achieve, they're now achieving, which means that X, Y, and Z, or X, sorry, that's the European way to say Z, is maybe X, Y, Z is more challenging to accomplish because of that growth, right? So, so take it the next step. Hey, I noticed that uh, your plans are to grow by 30% in Europe. Um, finding all that talent must be pretty difficult, right? So, so again, part one, reference their business. Part two, make an educated assumption. Part three of that email is to reference how you've helped another company achieve this result um, that the, you think that they might be struggling with. So you may say, 
hey, it must be hard to find staff for that new region. We helped a company in a very similar situation grow by 26% um, and get all their people ramped up within four months. Would that be an interesting conversation to have? And again, you're making a lot of assumptions here, but at least you're not like sending the stupid email that has nothing to do with their business that's purely about the staffing that you offer. Uh, you're, you're offering value and you're giving evidence that you've been able to actually achieve that value. And Bobby, the last step of this, the fourth component of this note is the ask. Do you have time to grab coffee next Tuesday at 3.30 to talk about this? Love to learn more about your goals. Um, if you're interested, I can share more about that case study that I referenced. Um, so be very, very specific about uh, that ask. Yeah, great, great context and structure on how to send that first email. I, I think what I often see are a lot of the don'ts that we're going to talk about. But that, that first email that I see very, very often, kind of around this time when accounts are changing, is, hey, customer, I'm your new account rep with company ABC. I'd like to get together and talk. Like, how well is that going to work? Yeah, and who and like, what does that even mean? I'm your new rep. Like, I'm I'm not a I don't use your service. Maybe they do use your service, but they never worked with the account rep in the first place. What a you know, how flat is that going to land? No kidding. And it it pretty much just says, hey, we're going to make it harder for you to do business with us, and I'd like to come tell you how I'm going to do that, and then not be able to serve you as well. Um, it, it's a terrible way to start that off. I love that you say coffee next Tuesday. I just got an email internally in the last 48 hours where one of my teammates said, can you do X, Y, and Z for me? And that was pretty much it. It had all, it had all the work they wanted me to do, but I'm not sure if it's, I think it's important, but I'm not sure if it's time sensitive. Did they need it last night? Should I stayed up late and knocked it out? Of course, they would have liked that if I did it, but did I really need to do that? If you want to engage with people, setting a time, setting expectations is a must do and a don't do if you know what I mean as it relates to the time. Yeah, and like like you say, you you get those emails and if um and maybe they think it means get it done immediately and maybe you you burn out and immediately work on that. Uh, how many times are they going to do that before um, they give up on responding to your stuff immediately? So set time, uh, set time, set goals for when you're looking to get it accomplished. Uh, the next one, it, this came from a good friend of mine. Um, he says, don't write the Pulsar Prize winning email. Uh, I thought that was just a great way to put it. We've all written the six-page email that uh, is very specific. Um, it's so well-written. It's been copy-edited. You've had your significant other have a look at it. Uh, you've had your peer look at it. They've added in their own paragraph to it. And we just think, like, this is the perfect email. They're going to read this, and they're going to immediately fall in love with our product or service. And they're going to want to meet with me, and they're going to want to buy it. How many times, Bobby, like if there's something interesting that I get via email, I'm not going to spend six minutes, let alone read six pages of an email uh, to get up to speed as to what they're offering and how it can add value to me. So the, the, really the note here is to keep it short. Maybe maybe the other don't is don't make it to where you have to scroll on the email yeah. preview side. Uh, that's probably the death of, of me is when I see an email that's got a tiny little scroll bar I know it's got a mountain of information in it, and I'm not going to be able to consume it all, especially not via email. Um, I think to that point, if we can stay short and sweet, um, that's a good goal. But the don't there is to not just say make it so short and sweet that you're just asking for 30 minutes and then, again, not asking for a date and time 
or saying something that might not be truthful but sounds salesy, where you say, hey, I called you, you didn't pick up, I wanted to shoot you a note. I mean, it's pretty cheesy if you never really picked up the phone and called them. Yeah, it's the whole plausible deniability. Like they they won't be able to prove that it didn't try to call them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna act as if I've spent a lot of effort to get in touch with them and wasn't able to. Could you just meet with me instead? Uh, it comes across very cheesy. Everyone sees through it. Don't try it. It comes across really really bad. I, I think in, when it comes to just grammar and spelling in general, don't don't capitalize every letter in the subject line. I see that all the time. Or they'll get. They'll capitalize big parts of the sentences and bold them, right? Like a human being, right? You don't you you want to really try to ba- balance being casual and professional with it, but you've got to write like a human, or it's just going to get uh, dismissed as it comes across their desk. Um, another one is don't use their full name. It comes across as if you're writing uh, with like an email um, template machine. So, dear John Smith. You know, use their name. You wanna you wanna make it uh, as if you're writing it specifically to to them, which you are, uh, but don't make it spammy looking uh, as you're sending that note across to them. Yeah, and the last don't that I would share at this point would be don't copy and paste. I mean, we've all made a copy and paste mistake at some point in our life. We all think we've solved it for it and we'll never do it again. But I can assure you, copying and pasting is a risky business. Um, you would hate to put another company reference. You'd hate to put another company name. You'd hate to call the person by the wrong name. You you might have no sales effort in that account before it ever gets started just because you used copy and paste. Yeah, and this also, if, if you haven't watched Bobby's video on how to set up Outlook delays, this is a great one for that because how many times have you not intended to click send on that email and you wanted to, you wish you could go back in time and get that email, um, have a watch. It's, it's on our YouTube channel. You can get there at bobbyandbrian.com. Um, and you can get to our YouTube channel from there, but watch that video. It's a great way to, to prevent those types of accidents. So we've talked about the don'ts. What about some of the do's? And I'll start with the one we are going to continue to talk about as long as we're podcasting. And that's, you must research their business. You must know something recent. If you don't, it's going to come off as you're just another salesperson. Um, know some things that they've achieved or some of the challenges that they have. You, you, you have, if you work anywhere in IT sales, you work for a company who's delivered a solution for someone. Tie that solution into their business in some way. Do some research about their business. Yeah, you want to know companies that are in their industry. If you've got existing customers, you um, hopefully the company you work for has done a bit of work to... Um, help list out the existing customers that you have. Wouldn't it be great to just have off the top of your head six customers that are just like them that buy your wares too? How great would it be to have that in your own back pocket? What if on top of that they'd achieve some great business results like they used your products and it helped them achieve some some great business outcome? So know those facts, do the research. Um, You'll be that much more prepared when it comes time to it, to the meeting. Yep, and we said don't not set expectations. That might be a double negative, but don't forget it's a must do that you set sometime expectations. Whether that's uh, when you want to meet or how, how they should follow up or how you should follow up, set sometime expectations on when that should be. We talked about it, but shorter is better. Um, we've all heard the KISS acronym, keep it simple, silly or stupid, whatever you want to call it, but keep it simple. Keep this email very simple, something they can consume and something they can respond to and execute on quickly. 
Yeah, and don't make it pretty. Make it clean. Keep your fonts organized, all that kind of good stuff. But don't make it too pretty. You don't want it to come across as marketing collateral. Um, be pretty, but don't make. But be be organized too with your thoughts. Don't be random with your thoughts. All right, Bobby. The uh, so that's the first template. That's kind of the cold email to a new prospect. The second one is the follow up email. Yep. And before I jump into the follow up email, you said the word template. In case we weren't clear. All these emails are going to be templatized and posted on our website under the tools section so you guys can all go grab them and use those templates however you see fit. So let's jump into the follow-up email. This is Great. the one that I am extremely passionate about. Um, you can, as Brian said, go to YouTube, check out my video on Quick Parts. It's a easy way to instantly create a pretty but professional follow-up email every time you want to with a customer and it really is about being quick about it so that it's not forever later after the meeting but being prescriptive to your customer and prospects so that you can understand whether or not they really want to engage with you in your business or if they don't want to engage with you in their business so there's got to be some next steps and the, the structure of my follow-up email is to send a heartfelt message about the meeting and the context by which we plan to do business together i have a section for action items i have a section item section for reverse timeline and then i have a section for meeting notes where i can re-articulate anything that was important that we talked about in that meeting but if you think about it, I'm trying to do something with the action items that really starts in meeting prep. We talked about it in series one about how during my meeting prep, I have to be thinking of ways to continue to engage and follow up with this customer. So whether I ask for that org chart uh, or I ask for something else, I want the customer to have one simple action that they can do for me or with me so that I know they're going to engage. If it's so simple as send me your V card or something that you think would help you guys stay engaged and you ask them to do it by maybe end of week, then in that email that you send, the first action item should be for the customer. It should be undone and it should say that you said you'd send me your V card by the end of the week. Something like that. Imagine if they don't send it by the end of the week, it gives you the option to re-engage with them and say, hey, we're at the deadline. Can I get that V card or that org chart or whatever it might be uh, so that you can stay engaged? Likewise, you should have one or two actions done. Maybe you said you would send them a piece of literature on your products. Maybe you said you would send your V card. Maybe you sent them a meeting request for a lunch as a follow-up that hopefully you already have a day set for and that calendar request going out. But have a couple actions done. And then the reverse timeline should allow you to correlate and put it in order by which all these actions should be done and how you can engage. Hopefully, by the first or second meeting, you have such a reverse timeline that you have celebrate successful implementation as the last item on that reverse timeline and a bunch of POs along the way. So the follow-up email is a very critical one. And if you set the right expectations on who's going to own what action items, you should have a reason to follow up with that customer for many weeks to come and hopefully many meetings to follow as well. Yeah, Bobby, I think a lot about the – it's so critical to, to come back quick to have a very organized list of objectives. Um, you're testing them really, right? If, if, if they said they're going to get you that organizational chart by end of week, or they said they're going to get uh, their NDA, uh, your NDA signed or reviewed by their legal team by a certain time, and they've not acted on any of those things, at least you know where you stand. But if they've started to accomplish some of those tasks, maybe you know you've got a real opportunity here. So these are just as much tests as they are real outcomes that you're trying to get out of this opportunity. And I think I, I, I always, this is like something that 
really stood out to me. And it was probably the reason I picked them as a financial advisor and they're not a sponsor, but we'd love to have a multinational as a sponsor. <laughs> uh, but uh, UBS was, uh, when I'd met with them, they had their, he had his personal assistant in the room and we had good conversation, dialect back and forth. He talked about some things that I owed him. Uh, I had some things that uh, he owed me from that conversation. Bobby, by the time I had returned back home, I had an email in my inbox, a summary of, of all the action items that we talked about. Some of those action items had already been accomplished. And it, it just, it reinforced the fact this is an organization that I want to do business with. This is somebody I trust that whenever we say we're going to accomplish some things or they say they're going to do some things, they, they get them done. And that's the impression you want the, the prospective customer or the existing customer to have for you, that you're a person that gets things done. You follow up quickly and accurately. You talked about some of them, but let's dive into the do's and don'ts. The don'ts, you know, I hate it when I see mixed fonts, mixed shading. Uh, the things just don't look organized. That's probably co more copying and pasting. I hate it when I don't see a follow-up for three days. Like you said, be quick. And then don't only have actions for yourself. How many rookies or bad sales reps, average sales reps, have you seen send a great follow-up, but the five action items are only for them to accomplish? How does that engage the customer with you? Yeah, there's really no measurement being done of the customer's engagement in there. And plus, like, what, what, how did you, how did you end up with five action items and they ended up with one? If this is a, if this is a real pursuit with real goals, um, there's going to be uh, work done on both sides. And on the, on the dues side of the house, like we said, follow up same day if possible. Bobby, your rule has always been, I used to work for you. It used to be no more than uh, 48 hours. We're forgettable people. We're going to forget the details of the conversation that really show that we're actually paying attention to the conversation. Um, one thing I'm big on too is a reverse timeline to stay on track. This comes into a lot about how do you get a, um, in that conversation, how do you lead to a good fruitful conversation with a prospective customer is if, if they're goal is to go live with whatever project that is, a services project, a software or hardware project, they've got some sort of end goal they've got to be live by. Just work through it with them. Work back. Think back. Okay, if, if, if your goal is to go live in April, well, then that means you need to start the project in November. If you're going to start the project in November, then you need to have signed in October. Think through those steps. Walk through those steps with the prospective customer. You may find and learn some new things about that engagement. Um, and, and it's also going to help you build out your action items. And, and, and it's going to feel more concrete and real to that prospective customer if there's some actual objectives to that timeline. I think we're going to announce the next series soon, but we're going to spend a lot of time on reverse timeline in either the next series or the series after that and help you understand exactly how to build it and how to get as detailed as possible to benefit your customer. But what it's really going to do is benefit your sales campaign as well. Yeah. Um, like you said, Bobby, have try to have two or three of the action items complete. Include the follow-up material that you say you're going to include. As, as that part of that reverse timeline, part of that is having your next meeting already on the calendar it's getting that invite on the calendar. Just, just you want to be showing that you're like you're on it. You're progressing with the next steps, and you've got the next meeting on the calendar. And these things that I promised you, here they are. It it builds a culture of accountability uh, for you and your extended team too. We've captured about half the content that we wanted to talk about. We Let's have. wrap up this episode, and we'll make a part two to finish it up. Yeah. So there, there's really two more email templates that we're going to talk about and deliver. 
It's the email to get out of email. We've all been stuck in an email conversation, not stuck, that's probably the wrong way to put it, but in an email conversation that we wish could turn into more of a face-to-face or phone conversation. So we're going to share some tips on that. Bobby, you're going to talk about the will you, the quote unquote, will you introduce me email? We've got, we all have networks on LinkedIn and through email and through Facebook, and they may be, there may be a shared connection with the prospective customer that you're trying to get in touch with. We've got some ideas, some do's and don'ts that you might want to think about as you engage people that know your network. Perfect. So with that, we'll wrap up the first episode of this listener choice series, the perfect prospect correspondence. And we'll get episode two or part two out in the next few days as well. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you see that pop up when we release it. And until next time, average is the enemy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.